Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Live. Oh man. Oh man. So let me introduce you to the guest today. Super excited. He's got some myths to smash. He's a marketing leader. He's a strategist. I'd say he's also a motivator, public speaker, the VP of marketing at Buyer's Edge Platform, Andy Rosenblum. How are you, sir? What's up, Casey? Thanks, man. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm stoked. I, we've worked together. I know you've listened to the podcast, and now you're here, man. You're live. Yeah, and I am a fan. It's like, it's like a dream come true. It is. <laughs> nope. Where are you going after this? Is it Disney World? Is that next? I, there's this podcast for days that I'm going to be, uh, you know, just lining them up. That's it. That's it, man. This is the first of many, right? Well, so, yeah, first, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome. And I want to tell people the theme here. This is our marketing leadership series. And it's talking to VPs of marketing, you know, thought leaders, experts out there, getting your sense for, for strategy, technology, process, how you got to that position in your career. So, but to start out, we always do this thing. So let me, let me get you this hammer. Here, here oh it boy. is. Oh, this hammer. Oof, oof. It's heavy indeed. It is, man. So take that and smash some kind of bogus marketing strategy or just some misconceptions you're hearing out there that drive you crazy. All right. I'm going to take this big old hammer here. And here's the marketing myth that I think I want to smash with it. Yes. Not everything has to be embellished and, uh, you know, exaggerated every time. I feel like people are afraid to be authentic and deliver the on the promise of reality i have these these marketing stats that i put out to my sales team and to other members of my team and they're just constantly getting exaggerated out there our numbers speak for themselves in their true form you don't need to add on to them or or not everything has to be you know coded with a layer of marketing speak if you speak the truth about what you're good at to your customers and then you're honest also with your customers and your stakeholders about the things that are going to be obstacles or the things that you're not as good at, you're going to build better relationships than if you try to exaggerate and sugarcoat everything and overpromise and underdeliver. Yeah, it's that spin, right? It's that icky, sugarcoated. You think, oh, sugarcoated, then you touch it and you like this morning I cleaned up some candy for my kids. It was like, it was like, oh, it's like all the stickiness and it's not sweet at that point. Now it's just this this grunge you know yeah, it and code anything you gunk up your message you know yeah. real communication is about speaking truth speaking it you know with passion making it clear and concise and when you start muddying up those waters your message gets messy and uh it doesn't wind up being well received and doesn't represent you well why do you think this is happening why do you, is it just because we're just all spin doctors in the marketing world or well First off, I think we're human beings and we're all a little bit insecure. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. That, and that's okay. Right. Um, but um, I also think that um, we're a little bit scared of our competition. And, um, you know, competition's healthy. It's good to ha know that someone's out there waiting to eat your lunch. Keeps you in <laughs> it keeps you to innovating, you know, keeps you out there working hard. Um, and I don't know, I think that a lot of 
marketers um, put this demand on themselves to look in our profession, our job is to make things sound good. Okay. And obviously um, th this is something that, that we're good at. And I think other people really demand that of us and they ask us to, can you make this sound a little bit better? But what they're really, I think asking for is, can you communicate this in an effective way? Yeah. Not, not in a, not in a way that's going to um, create a false sense of expectation, you know, but, right. and I believe, I firmly believe that marketing should be aspirational. I think that you should make your brand, your product, whatever it is, something that people aspire to have, to achieve, um, to be close to. And, and so I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, make our messages aspirational. I just think that we should make them genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Be real and true. I think, but that, like, like you said, a lot of this world and society is very much not like that. You know, it's like, you can't even just post a photo anymore. You got to post a photo and then throw some emoticons on it on top, you know? <laughs> sure. Or, or put, put a filter. filter. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, the, in the, the, and, and this is, this maybe comes down like the fundamental age old debate of marketing or advertising, you know, like the, the Whopper doesn't look that good when you get, <laughs> never does. man. I wish it did though. You know? But, um, but, um, and so, you know, you do have to entice people, but I think that in, in the world of marketing today, where people have so much information at their fingertips, they're doing a lot of research, they're doing a lot of decision-making before they even enter the buying phase before you even maybe know about them. Um, you know, they, they already know they're on uh, Yelp and they, they already know what to expect to be really positive about your restaurant and what to expect. That's going to be a little bit negative about it. And, um, you obviously want to accentuate the positive and work on changing the negative, but, but right. don't, don't, don't bring them into the door under false pretense that it's going to be this gorgeous ambiance right. because um, you're going to fail to deliver on their expectation or you're not going to attract your true audience. You're not going to attract the oh, dine, yeah. the, 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 the guest who's really just looking for a really good authentic pupusa with no ambiance really to go with it. They don't care, you know? Right. Just, just feed me. I don't be, that's such a, it's such an interesting point you bring because I think everyone knows like, well, you don't want to trick people, but then what happens is you've now set different expectations. So they're going to, they're, it's going to be really rough if, you know, they were expecting this amazing thing and you got, yeah. you know, that's why like fake Yelp reviews and all that just drive me crazy, you know? Come, I, I'm even hesitant and I need to get over it, but like even hiring people to write content feels like a little, has always felt a little icky to me, but you know, I understand that it's uh, it's the, it's one of the ways in which you can best scale your content, but that's always felt like it, just a little funny to me. Yeah. Um, Especially not like third party people that have no idea because right. I think you can insta tell that that is like, <laughs> like, like just you're paying for bad content, you know, I, I know there's some like local, you know, content, you know, factories around here. And when they call you and they're like, yeah, we'll just turn out all this data. You know, it's like, okay, right. My, I'm going to know my audience is going to know. And this is all it's going to make me look like as an imposter. Yeah. You know, a marketing channel that cracks me up right now is the, um, have you looked at the Steakums Twitter feed? You know, no. Ste you know what Steakums is? Oh, uh, maybe <laughs> they were like, they were kind of burning someone or something. No. No, no, no. I, I don't know okay. what you're talking about. Somebody else. <laughs> Steakums <laughs> is a food product. It's, um, you, you might have had it in your freezer growing up or whatever. You can make steak sandwiches out of it, or you okay. can make like chopped beef. It's like 
like steak sandwich meat talk, you know? Okay. And so, um, and it, it comes in these little, it comes in like a little frozen box or whatever. And their, their whole approach on Twitter right now is they're just self-identifying as frozen beef sheets. <laughs> and, and they're basically saying like, we're not trying to be more than what we are. If you we're, we're, it's a delicious product. If you want a, a, a sirloin or a ribeye, go get a ribeye. But if you want to hook up a quick sandwich or make some corned beef hash or whatever, this is a good way to go. Buy our frozen beef sheets. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm on their I'm on their Twitter now. They have uh, they actually Steakums replaced or they retweeted someone held up hay, some straw hay next to their Steakums of like the same thing easy peasy and they they retweeted it so they're like totally just owning that yeah and the other thing that's interesting about that twitter account is that it's um it's a it's a self-aware marketer so they're not pretending to be like some character that represents the brand they're not pretending to be the burger king the 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 twitter is self-aware it's like breaking the fourth wall and being like look i'm just the marketing guy or gal for the frozen beef sheets company (laughs) you know (laughs) but but the, there's a level of authenticity there that I think is really grabbing people, especially marketers, where they're saying, like, look, be good at what you're good at. Attract people's attention for what you are. And, and don't put on that you're something bigger or, or different or more gourmet or, or anything else. Sick, man. Uh, you know what? I, if you, you just need to, like, people listening need to go at stake underscore umm and one of the things is like i'm starting a new dm room where we exclusively talk about nicholas cage and philosophy who wants in like, <laughs> that's pretty weird well yeah there's a, there's definitely a dose of absurdism to it too yeah. which I, I love absurdism so yeah because like too many people are taking themselves seriously you know in a very inauthentic way just being what they think you're supposed to be and sure. it doesn't come up and and this feels authentic where they're just like, yeah, this is how it is. As opposed to, Ooh, we're going to try to be trendier. Let's, let's try to go viral. You know? Yeah, exactly. And you know what, man, uh, if I may give you a compliment, I think that's also what I like about you, Casey and your podcast and your approach You're is the best ever. I, I think you keep it real, you know, and, um, and, and it, sh- it, it, it manifests itself to your benefit because we were at that conference recently. Uh, it was actually the first time I met you. And there was a customer on stage who was giving your company an, an unsolicited endorsement, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it obviously doesn't get more genuine than that. No, but, like, <laughs> but, the, but, but, you know, uh, the reason why I listen to your podcast and, and the reason why I was excited to participate is just because it sounds like a guy who knows what he's talking about is genuinely interested in other people and um, doesn't try to present himself as anything other than, you know, what he is, uh, uh, warts and all. Yeah, yeah, try to just be yourself. You know, I appreciate that, man. Uh, you know, My it's, pleasure. It, we're just going to put that on repeat just so I can hear that every morning. <laughs> the alarm clock. Well, you do have to remind yourself to, to be real, too, you know. It's not the easiest yeah. thing. No, it's not because, you know, you know for, for every, you know, one of you, there's 10 people saying like, oh, make sure like, are you going to wear a hat on your podcast or, you know, you're going <laughs> to wear it to work? Now it, it is the logo, so it's okay. But All right, like, I feel that. Oh, I'm repping. You're repping? We're, we're repping I logos food, on the video. food bam going. Food bam. Oh, we have to talk about that. So, All right. But yeah, for every one of those like positive is like, there's a bunch of naysayers kind of like, you know, trying to poo-poo your party. Yeah. Trying to make you into some robot or some suit, you know? Yeah. 
and, and I think that's just, uh, that's what I really like in the world, like in art, in music, in food, in people. I like people who are, are have the confidence to, to present themselves, to be themselves, to be genuine. I love, I, I, there's things that I get super, super nerdy about. And, um, and I love finding out what other things someone is really like diving deep and exploring to a deep, deep level, whether it's, uh, I love talking to my, one of my best pals about psychology and he's a PhD, yeah. he has a PhD in psychology and he'll dive really deep into some psychological principle that you wouldn't normally talk about with a lay person. Right. But I love to hear the passion with which he talks about it and the ways in which he makes it you know, understandable to a lay person or, um, I, I, I think about music that way. And I, I think about food that way. And, yeah. um, that's, I think what really gets me excited is finding ways to communicate with people, to communicate complex ideas in simplified ways that resonate with them. I think that's what I love about marketing. Communicating complex ideas that resonate with people. That, that is in that simplified is, ways, you know, making simplified the, ways. Yeah. Hmm making it understandable and relatable. And you know what it's funny is, you know, that, by the way, that, that like when people go deep on subjects like that, it's super fun because the image in my head was like riding a rodeo horse, just holding on for dear life. You're like, I think I got this. I think I got this. And then a couple acronyms come across the way and you're like, I don't got this. Like, take me back. <laughs> you know, you're going deeper and deeper or talking about neurons sure. or something. But yeah, it could be fun to challenge yourself. And I mean, I think the challenging is where we can grow um, you know, as people, but as companies too. I think all, all these conversations around the authenticity of a person, you know, I, I guess if you're inauthentic as a person, you, your company is probably going to be following, your marketing is going to be following suit. You know, yeah. vice versa. Yeah, perhaps, you know, I think that, um, uh, you know, leadership does trickle down into an organization. And yeah. I understand why it can be hard for like a figurehead, a CEO or a CMO. There's a certain, you know, performance you, that you're doing when you're schmoozing, when you're presenting. But um, even, in, even in, in presentation, I love giving presentations um, I kind of always have, you know, maybe it's yeah. the, uh, uh, I'm an ego driven individual. I like having a microphone, but yeah, um, right? I also like the challenge of trying to keep people interested, um, communicate with them, make them chuckle. And, um, again, I think that you can really tell when you're listening to a speaker, uh, whether they're giving you their true selves or mm. whether they're just giving you their PowerPoint selves. <laughs> That's true, man. I mean, I've, I've experienced that, you know, I don't want to say like on the podcast, but just having conversations with people and you know, we met at a Salesforce world tour and I, did you have a blazer on? I know I did. You know, it's like, you got to put a little, little of the spin on there, but then yeah, you try to be yourself, but I, I've definitely, it can be challenging when you're not sure if you're talking to like the, like you said, the PowerPoint person or the actual real person. And I mean, that, that applies across the board with people or relationships with marketing, you know, like, Oh, here's the shot. One example. I, I'm not, I hate this. It was a thing. AI plus marketing automation, download this PDF, you know, okay. I've ran on this thing so many times, but <laughs> I was like, this is so shiny. This is so cool. This is like the, like you're saying that the PowerPoint them. And so I get, click on it and I get it and it's complete horse. You know, it was like, right it was garbage. And I was, it was that sort of, ugh, you know, they, they weren't authentic. They like, they thought they had this thing. And in the end, they, they weren't really themselves. Can I ask you a question about that incident? Yeah. Tell me. Ask so me. 
uh, is that an organization that you respect that you have a relationship with or maybe not necessarily? Totally not. In fact, okay. they tried calling me afterward. Like I didn't know who they were. So it was like a first impression. I was like, cool Facebook ad. Let me click on this. Got it. Like knowing what I'm doing, I'm becoming a lead your system. And of course they called me probably a little early in the process, but they did. And okay. then I told them like, never call me again. Cause I, you're, I was tricked. You know, my but, but but I was wondering if you communicated back to them what what the flaw was in your in your customer journey. Well, I told their like the BDR call setter. I don't know. The person was like, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. You no, know, projecting yeah. the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you know, it like you could try to do that. I don't know if companies are always receptive to hearing back. I mean, it's like that no reply email in mass emails. Like, yeah, don't you want replies? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you no reply it? Um, so the story of how I wound up in this podcast conversation today yeah, is kind of interesting right. and related. So, um, so yeah, full disclosure, we're, we're, in, we're engaged in a business agreement now between my organization and yours. It's going great. Really yeah. happy about that. And, um, I was listening to your podcast after we met and it was an episode called something like real SDRs love marketing or something right. like that. James. Yeah. And, and, yeah, um, sales. hashtag. <laughs> I was uh, listening to the podcast while I ride my bike. That's what I do. And um, you were talking about the continuity from the handoff, the sales process, handing off to the account process. Right. And um, so because I felt like you were an authentic person and that you'd be receptive to um, good feedback that was, right. you know, not aggressive or uh, just only, uh, uh, that you would accept it willingly. Right. I, I called you and said, Hey man, you know, um, the thing you described on the podcast is something that I think maybe we should talk about in terms of my experience with your organization. And it wasn't anything terrible. I mean, the, the, right. everything was going great, but I had had a certain relationship with the salesperson and it's different relationship with the account person. Yeah. And I said, Hey, I, I respect Casey and his company and the staff that he has assigned to work on my account. And I want to let him know that the struggle is real. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had some whiplash, right? I mean, I, I think on the sales side, it was like super chill, right? And they got sure. you outside. It was like, let's do this. And you're like, what just happened? Right. And at this point, you know, I guess it wasn't the sky falling, but I think, you know, when I kind of, we're both kind of perfectionists, you know, and even almost like Disney world, like, even if a small thing's out of place, like that matters, you know, and we want to, we want to fix that, especially if it's your experience and you experience one thing versus another, it really just expectations, but like, we got to make sure that we fix that. So yeah, I'm glad you emailed me and said like, Hey, I'm, I've experienced this sort of weird thing between one side versus the other. Sure. And I really appreciate that you had the humility to accept that feedback because that's a really hard sure. thing to do as well, especially when you're the head of a department or the head of a company. Um, you know, uh, just today I went into SurveyMonkey to look at some of the responses that I got on a survey that I put out about a big trade show uh, marketing operation that I, I was an accomplishment for myself and my team over cool. this month. And I started looking at the survey responses and, you know, it was, um, uh, 
plenty of praise and plenty of constructive feedback and some of it was infuriating and some of it was enlightening, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I, and I got like obsessed with reading it all yeah. and, and I, I was taking it personally and I was shrugging it off and I was putting up defense mechanisms and I was being selective about what I was reading and then I kind of combed through and I said, all right, I'm going to sit on this now and I'm going to go back in a couple of days and read it again. Yeah. Some of the individuals that filled out the survey said, you know, if you want to talk about this positive or this negative uh, uh, critique that I've left, please give me a call. But that's the kind of feedback that we need, I think, to make ourselves better in life. And if you read that or absorb that kind of information with, uh, with a, a lens of ego and, yeah. um, you know, as opposed to one of, of humility, then you, you won't retain the message that they're trying to give to you. Um, and so... Yeah. Yeah. And then you miss out on that feedback. It's not easy though. Right. You know, to your point, you're like, ah, you know, like you don't know how to react. Is it going to be that sort of like that emotional reaction where you're just like in the moment, like, ah, you know, whether happy or sad or mangry or whatever, or is it that, that, that like thoughtful reaction? Okay. How can I be thoughtful about this? Like, what could I learn from this and, and gather from that? And there's actually, I think a, a, a marketing lesson in that too, because cool. Um, probably for you, I know for me, a lot of what we're, of the work that Buyer's Edge Platform tries, uh, does for our clients is helping them do their jobs maybe a little bit better, more efficiently, um, giving them more access, helping them prevent mistakes, uncover mistakes, improve upon themselves. And so we do get one of the obstacles that we run into sometimes is people say like, you're going to try to take my job away or you're going to um, try to make me look bad in front of my yeah. boss or something like that. And so, um, you know, it's like, Hey, no, the, we completely appreciate that perspective, but what we want to do is just help you better yourself and your company. And if you have clarity into um, everything you're doing right, as well as those things that you're doing that may not be as efficient as possible. Yeah. Um, you're just going to be uh, better at your job, more fulfilled. Um, you're going to maybe hit your bonus faster. Right. Your, your company's going to be more profitable. And um, th that's similar to, you know, soliciting, be being open to feedback, solicited or unsolicited about how you can improve yourself, your department, your division, your organization, your enterprise. Right, right. And just being open to that. And being open to the results and trying not to, like how you said, like, not sort of try to justify it right away. Like, oh, these people are crazy. These aren't my real target buyers. <laughs> right. We get rid of that feedback. <laughs> right, right, right. So I get, get them off the list. Yeah. Yeah. I wish more cable companies kind of did this process, you know? Well, yeah. Well, it depends. Uh, it depends how susceptible you are. You know, they, they, they think they have the monopoly, so they don't have to spend their time on customer service, right? And they do until Elon Musk puts another couple of thousand satellites in orbit and gives us all free Wi-Fi. <laughs> hey. There's always the, the, the taxis thought they had the market cornered too. How did that go? You know, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What comes after that flying cars? Maybe. I don't know, but someone's going to be there to disrupt it no matter what it is. You know, and that kind of ties into something we were talking about the other day about, you know, rule breaking, because I think sometimes disruption is all about seeing what the status quo is and maybe nodding like, Hey, I see you status quo. This is what's happening now. But being like, it doesn't have to be this way you know, and, and maybe that goes the same way with marketing too. not just always doing the same. Hey, the buzzwords, this let's do this. Right. I agree fully with that. I mean, I have, so 
I market to restaurant owners. Okay. And um, I, I I love that. I love restaurants. I love food. It's a big passion of mine, a huge interest of mine. But it presents a challenge um, in terms of B2B marketing. Uh, my audience yeah. doesn't follow the regular rules of B2B marketing. It's really interesting. Right. Uh, you know, take like the, the maybe the first rule is like, send your emails, you know, midweek, midday or mid morning, right. midweek or whatever. Well, like these restaurant owners are just waking up you know, <laughs> at this time. Um, we get great email readership at, uh, on Sundays at 7.30 p.m. Interesting. So it's not a time when you normally are going to be wanting to send your emails, but it's like a quiet time for the restaurant owner who is running around. Um, you know, maybe she's making schedules for her servers and she's right. jumping in on the line to fix something and she's working with her vendors to secure her orders and she's worried about the health department. And then there's like this oh, little calm Sunday night. Maybe they don't even open on Monday or something like that. Right. And then they're checking their email and it's incredible. Um, you know, they, these are not the, the typical content funnel doesn't really work for this audience. So it's not just, you know, put out some white papers. Yeah. Don't worry. They'll click on it. They're used to this. They don't want to fill out a form. They're not used to filling out a content gate. Join your webinar. <laughs> no way. No way. And, um, and it makes my job interesting. Yeah. Um, and also uh, there's, there's like a, another challenge embedded in that, which is that the restaurant industry runs from the kind of mom and pop restaurant, maybe being run by, uh, you know, let's say like a, a guy who, the guy who opened the restaurant in 1971 and he's still making the pizzas all yeah. the way up to, um, you know, uh, corporations that have right. restaurants across multiple States. Now that's a different kind of buyer, but they're still in our, in our, uh, uh right. target audience. And, um, I've actually been fortunate enough to have a couple jobs in my career that had that sort of dichotomy where there were different messages for different audiences. I mean, it, we're all segmenting all the time, even if we're just working in, in little pockets, but these sure. are two very different, uh, personas that we deal with. And it makes for, uh, you know, really exciting, uh, marketing work and a lot of testing and a lot of trying to figure out how to appeal to these various audiences. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But and also not to speak to them in the same way, you know, because when you're describing that like really busy restaurant owner, maybe it's like they got one restaurant and maybe they were, they to your point, they were like on the line or they had to hire a waiter or like fire or someone right all this stuff on sunday they sit down at the, the computer on their yahoo email address <laughs> exactly to, uh, to look through their mail and hopefully get distracted and play some sudoku and, <laughs> and then they see your super cheesy corporate email that, like they don't want to you know for a webinar in a in a thing called a white paper right is <laughs> like no. No, that's a hundred percent not what they want to see right now. That's getting de like deleted with prejudice. Yeah. You got to make it. Um, I think for any audience, but especially for our audience, you have to really remove barriers, um, make interactions very easy. Um, and uh, that's probably true for, for most companies, I would assume, you know, sure. um, obviously we you know content gates are necessary and sign up forms and all kinds of stuff. But, the harder you make it for someone to interact with your company, just the less likely they are to do it. Now you might obviously uh, get some of the cream or the crop there that really sure. is interested, but there's other ways to gauge that. I think, um, 
you know, if you, the, the, the experiences that are one click, one touch, really easy, friendly, um, um, approachable, not intimidating, I think are the ones that are, are going to resonate with people. Makes sense. I was going to say like, what kind of things have you done differently to reach those kind of people, um, in those spots? Well, uh, for one thing, you know, you have to be able to speak their language a little okay. bit. Yeah. So it's, but they already, um, know, know like the, the, the restaurant language, the restaurant world, but yeah. we kind of position ourselves as, especially for independent restaurants, like one to 10 unit restaurants is, um, that, Hey, like we're rooted in that restaurant world, but we're just a, a little bit removed where we can offer you some of the business sense that you may not necessarily like have on your staff. There's kind of like a joke about um, restaurant companies. Like the CEO of the restaurant might be the, she might've come out of finance and then she doesn't know anything about culinary or <laughs> she was a really good chef and she doesn't know how to run a business. Right. right? <laughs> and so um, a lot of the independent restaurant owners, they're like chef owners, right? And so they may have, they're entrepreneurs, they have a good business sense, but not to the degree that, they don't have the visibility or the technical capabilities that we have in terms of analyzing purchasing data and thinking about uh, efficiency in the labor right. uh, practices and stuff like that. And we, and so we're a group purchasing organization. So huh. we work with independent restaurants and we combine their purchasing power. And then we negotiate contracts with manufacturers to help those restaurants get better prices on the food and supplies that they order. Okay. That's cool. I like that group purchasing thing. It's like, it's so powerful. You know, you, you all want to buy a shovel and then the price for a shovel is like way less. Yeah. How Walmart does it. So it makes sense to basically to buy it that way. So, so what we also are able to offer them is like, yeah, you have a, we, we don't doubt at all that you have a great vision of what's happening in your restaurant. Right. We have a vision of what's happening in your restaurant and 18,000 others. 45,000 other locations. And so we can just help you help steer you towards the, the trends, the um, opportunities, the contracts that are going to make your business more profitable and more successful. Yeah. And that's how marketing is supposed to work and how marketing content. It's like, look, our, you're our customer and we work with so many of you that we've experienced at scale, all the, the wins and the losses, like, Oh, you would do it this way. Are you curious to know what's the worst way of doing it? And what's the even better way of doing it? And, and let's just teach you that stuff and maybe give you some information and help, you know, kind of give you a little, little, little information here and there so that you, you're like, Oh yeah, let me sign up for that thing. Like you really help people out, you know? You know what else is so interesting, Casey, yeah. is that um, maybe it's a, a, a mini myth, right? It's not about, the money. It's not about getting people to part with their money because the other thing that's so interesting about the work that we do is that for the restaurants to join Dining Alliance, it's free for them. Okay. So the biggest probably part of it, challenge of any sale is getting someone to agree like, yeah, I want to part with my dollars for your product or service. Right. Right. But, but that's not even our challenge. That's removed. Uh, the members can, can um, join our organization for free and we actually uh -huh. send them money. Okay. Uh, cause they earn rebates for being on our programs and, and, and our revenue stream mostly comes from the, the manufacturers. Okay. Right. Right. So, so, so they can actually use it though for that, all the, all the work out, right. They sign up, but if they don't, don't, don't do anything with it, then 
for the members. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so, um, so you would, you would think, oh, well, as a marketer, my job must be easy. I'm not even trying to charge people anything. I'm trying to get them to sign up for free money. Right. Like, there, there's nothing that makes people as skeptical as free money. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, and so, like, uh, what kind of pyramid scheme are you selling me here? Yeah. And, and there's actually no scheme. And so there's a certain authenticity that has to be involved and transparency in telling someone, Hey, this is good for you. Yeah. You know, yeah, I stand to gain from it. Um, but not at your expense or really anyone's expense. We're, right. I'm fortunate enough to be in like this win, 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 win kind of scenario with all my stakeholders, but it's just convincing them to invest a little bit of time and uh, uh, in educating themselves about how it's going to work and how it's going to affect their business to fill out a few forms and kind of play along. But, right. um, you know, it might, I, I think that I, I'm probably living in a certain bubble where very few marketers get the advantage of being able to sell something where no one ever has to reach into their pocket in order to get your product or service, you know? Right, right. Do you, are you also involved in that follow on usage to the adoption side? Like, the onboarding and adoption part or does that go to like a different department at that point? Well, um, that's a good question. So I'm involved in terms of keeping the customer journey, uh, feeling cohesive yeah. and helping with the messaging, the branding and all that. And then a lot of my work and my team's work is focused on retention. So, yeah. um, getting people to continue to work with our programs and our promise to our manufacturer stakeholder is that we're going to help introduce their products to these restaurants. So, um, a lot of the work, like the majority of the marketing, let's say outbound emails that we do are to our current members informing them about other programs they can take advantage of, savings opportunities, new products that are coming out, and not in like a cram it down your throat sort of way, right. but in, all in the context of here's a, a new product that's coming out. We want you to learn about it and help your business. Here's a trend that we've identified and the products that kind of go along with that trend and how you can um, uh, uh, you know, utilize these ideas to make your guests happier and right. make your restaurant more profitable. Yeah, that's really cool. How do you acquire people? Because I, I got to imagine that, you know, were you even skeptical when you got in you know, to this position where you're like, these, you know, these friends with, you know, one, you know, one restaurant, one unit, you know, it's not even, it's a unit. Oh, you only have one, you know, but right. like, you got one unit, you got your Yahoo email address or maybe yeah. com, And is it hard to find them? Is it a, is that a myth or like, are they where everyone else is or they like get to seek them out in other places? Well, there's a couple facets to that. You know, one thing is that it's hard to find them because um, like uh, I work in the uh, zoom info used to be my neighbor here in the building. Yeah. Yeah. And, I know that. I know that. Yeah, office. And I have some good, good friends there and um, they could barely help me. Uh <laughs> All, all props to Zoom Info. They're a great company. Sure. But they were like, independent restaurants kind of aren't our sweet spot, you know? <laughs> independent restaurants are tough, you know? It's either like info yeah. at luigispizza.com. <laughs> and then like, there's like four different people checking that. Right. If, if you look at our CRM, there's always like different names associated with the same email address. Jennifer, John. Aaron, <laughs> right, like. um, and, and so the other thing is that, um, this probably happens in a lot of industries, but restaurants um, can be run by people from all different demographic and, uh, sort of psychographic, you know, areas of the map. So, 
um, you have a lot of restaurants that um, have been passed from one generation to the next. So right. maybe historic, like even in the last few years, um, they were never really responsive to uh, kind of like digital marketing. Right. Um, everything was offline, direct mail. Now there's now the, the the son or daughter is taking a more active role in the management of the restaurant, and they're getting a little bit more involved in implementing technology in the restaurant. Right. Um, and so our marketing mix is spread very wide. Um, there's direct mail, there's trade show, there's event marketing. We have, we're running display ads. We're doing social wow. marketing. Um, we do ABM campaigns. We run gifting programs. Um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, maintaining websites and outbound email. So it's really a, a very wide uh, mix that goes into our integrated marketing plans. You sound really busy. Are you able to then see like, you know, all of these things are producing, you know, results. You're, you're meeting the right people. It just, you have to be sort of spread in all these different places to cover the, you know, the Luigi at his pizza place right. and, you know, Luigi's daughter who just inherited, you know, seven restaurants and exactly. anxious to learn what's what. Um, well, you know, the tracking, frankly. That's tough, you know, not everyone has to deal with that. It's tough. It's tough. Um, and by the way, um, so I work, I, I run a marketing department in an enterprise that has uh, multiple brands. So we actually go to market with different brands that we've either built ourselves or um, acquired over the years. Our company's grown very quickly in the last several years. It's a 20 year old company, but we've really experienced some uh, exponential growth in the last, let's Got say it. five, six years. Sure. And so, um, and so we're also going to market with all these different brands and that's one of the unique and exciting challenges of my role as well. So I am kept very busy and, um, you know, you, you touched on something that internally for our organization is probably one of my biggest challenges and it's the tracking and reporting on all of that. Right. Um, which, you know, um, there's sometimes a lot, we have a lot of anecdotal evidence to offer like, Hey, this worked because we got X number of, um, uh, form submissions or this didn't work. Right. No one really, the readership was low. The open rates were low and we're working as an organization, um, cross departmentally with our CRM team and our revenue ops team and our inside sales team and right. uh, other departments to really build more, um, sophistication into our reporting structures and how we track campaigns and um, how we measure, you know, customer acquisition costs and lifetime value and right. all these kinds of things that have been somewhat elusive for us. I can see how they would be that way, especially if people are coming, you have all these different channels, each one needs some sort of tagging and uh, maybe the, the younger, more digital, you know, prospects and customers are going to be a little easier to track because they're sort of following that known path. But someone who, I don't know, I, I see the challenge, especially as you cross different boundaries and, and you, when you, when you use that, the old school media, which old school, but you know, apparently can be effective. You some print mail, you know, right. you can, you can do some infographic, you could do some things to try, but it's not going to all be, you know, like a lockdown wall. I mean, I think you're hearing this a lot, but like direct mail is not dead. You know, direct marketing, I think, is actually having somewhat it. of a resurgence. Um, and, uh, you know, look, we, uh, the, the circulars that I get in the mail have never stopped. And as a marketer, I'm always looking at every piece of mail and, and every advertisement I see. I'm always thinking about what, what were they going for here? Who decided that was the billboard that you should put up? I do Three that. Three guys too. standing like this 
saying buy my rugs you know like right. they're paying a lot of money to have that ad like on a highway and like who, who decided that you know yeah and the url is like tiny right <laughs> you can't even see what the name of the company is they screwed that one up um i worked for an organization uh when i lived in new york city and i i was i, I was a marketing manager and um we had it was a it was a large marketing budget and we were spending um probably uh close to like a million dollars a year in print advertising full oh, page, in print. yeah full page ads in, in glossy magazines um uh, uh eighth page ads in new york times which is you know not a cheap spend wow and um i went i reported to the president of that company and i went to the president one day with an idea for almost like a thought experiment i said you know we're going to spend a quarter million dollars this month or this quarter in print advertising you know what if we actually withheld that money and put it to the bottom line or invested you know a half of it in something else you know do you think that the return um on 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 that investment is going to be worth it like if we if we withheld our advertising for the quarter you know it wasn't i was necessarily proposing it i was like proposing the th thinking yeah about it, right? yeah riddle me this yeah and um and, and he entertained the thought and we talked about it and so um ultimately he said you know what andy it, it you're right it is really hard to track how this print advertising is impacting our sales but we just had two very successful quarters so if it ain't broke we're not gonna fix it <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I still, to this day, um, you know, I'm not totally sure whether I, you know, I, I get it. Yeah. I, I agree with him in that he was like, look, I'm not going to mess with what's working in our business right now. Uh, keep doing a good job with all the advertising. Right. You know, but, it's almost like what would have to happen there would be, you just don't spend it, you know, and well, you, it's like ask for forgiveness afterward, but like on a hunch you go, you know what? I'm not going to spend it this quarter. All right. But easier said than done, Casey. Do you want to hang it over your head? When they, <laughs> <laughs> if, if he says, if he, if right. Comes, right. Hey, I was flipping. They, they lay off like the team. Exactly. Like, your fault. Right. right. Or like right. I was flipping through architectural digest because we used to advertise <laughs> in that magazine. And I noticed we didn't have our regular full page ad, you know, then the next day he's got the meeting with the board going, they're going, what happened? <laughs> right. They're all looking at it, right? Like it's not actually for the customer. It's for like the board. Well, you see our marketing guy, uh, you've never met him, but he had this idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he saved us, you know, our revenue went up by a quarter of a million dollars this quarter. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. It's the other 750 that we'll have to account for later. You're right. That, that That's a real challenge, especially the print side of it. You know, it, and I can see how that kind of thought would just, it would just, you'd wonder about it. And I, I think about that too with, you know, we're kind of local in the same area here, you know, the radio ads and the, like the Jordan's furniture saying, you know, the sure. ads around, you know, if the Red Sox win or if they hit this sign, you all get free furniture. Sure, sure, sure. And, and radio is another of those the sort of amorphous things. And, and it, yeah. you mentioned right before we got on here that you did radio when Oh yeah, I used to host uh, WLVR Lehigh Valley Radio at when I went to Lehigh University. It was probably my favorite thing I did in in all of college was host a rock and roll show. FM, yeah, ninety one point three FM. Like music, music, rock and roll. Okay. See, yeah. you're way cooler than I am. I did like a I did like an AM show. Oh, what you? What was it? Talk? 
WSMN AM fifteen ninety the Tiger. What did you do? Sports or? Well, it was it was uh called the dot com hour back in the day. Oh. And yeah, and we just interviewed random people. Like, see, I talked to like the Monster dot com founder one time. Oh, cool. Pretty sure I talked to Jeff Bezos back in the day. Nice. When he was still on like a version one of the website. That's cool. But how about you? So you were hosting like a like a music show? Yeah, I hosted. It was called The Night Flight. And I had yeah. I had uh, uh, two co-hosts, DJ Spoticus and my man E. Hills. And um, yeah, we used to play, you know, rock and roll uh, on WLVR radio up in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Wow. You, you kind of have that radio voice going on. Yeah, that's a great compliment. Thank you. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I always on tell the topic people... of the... Go ahead. Oh, on the topic of the billboards and the radio advertising and stuff like that, you know, um, I always think about like, you know, the, the, some of the smartest marketers in the world, I, I presume, work for some of the most successful brands in the world, like McDonald's right. or, or Nike or something like that. Like McDonald's, they're in print, they're in billboards, they're online, they're on the radio. Obviously, they have marketing budgets that are, are like unfathomable to guys right. like me. But if it wasn't working, you know, if like, like th- there's something to the idea that like marketers who I – who I respect, at least their work. Yes. You know? um, like, you know, Nike, Apple, these people are putting up billboards, you know, they're putting in uh, print ads along with all of their digital and social and web and things we've been mobile and things we're not even thinking about. Right. But like it, it, it has a role in their marketing mix. And that probably gives like a little bit of validity to at least the, that, that channel. Yeah, I see where you're going. Like, if if the Wizard of the High Seas is doing it, then it's probably not all bad. Though, I don't know if you've ever sort of visited some of the bigger companies, but sometimes when you get really big, they can get really dumb, too. <laughs> you know, and sometimes it's the smaller ones where they actually have to count every nickel and penny where you're getting really – but I hear it's both of those things are probably true. And, and, you know, the other test I think that they could do, and I mentioned like just not doing it and seeing what happens is when they, you know, do the print in one geography versus another. And they're like, okay, how did we do? Right. Well, it, it worked or it didn't work. And they're, they're looking bigger picture over, as opposed to just like, it's that one company with those, those ads. And of course it's like mar- you know, marketing one-on-one, like reach and frequency. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I talk about this to people all the time when I either, even my, my own team who are sophisticated marketers, or when I talk to other people who may understand a little bit less about marketing. And I, and I always say, look, it's not like you watched an NBA game and then you saw an ad for a chicken sandwich and you just like got off your couch and ran to get that sandwich. Right. You know, it's like, it's about like, you know, working over time to, um, gain share of mind, make you associate that sandwich with a certain kind of hunger that you experience. Right. And, and that apply, that theory applies, you know, to all kinds of marketing. And I tell people this all the time is like this one email alone, this one campaign, let's not think about this as the linchpin that's going to make your quarter. Every now and then you hit a really successful one that like really, yeah, you know, drive some good business. But I think that it's about an integrated marketing and it's about the fact that, um, you know, over time you see that ad with a certain number, a certain amount of frequency, you absorb that brand's message through other channels. Um, you know, whether it's organic, whether it's something they paid for. And then when it comes time for you to, you know, be feeling a little peckish, 
you say, I think I'm going to go to that restaurant and try that sandwich, you know? Yeah, a crispy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Extra pickles. Let's do this. That's right. You're right. It, it's, that, it's not that instant. Sometimes it's instant and sometimes it's not. But usually it kind of like plants a seed. And, you know, it's honestly, sometimes that's why I prefer B2B marketing because it seems just a little bit more logical, even <laughs> if it's still irrational. It just is a little more little more pathway to it as opposed to you, you saw that brand that asics ad 300 times and now you gotta go get new running shoes and you're not sure why but you're just doing it as opposed to oh i really need to capture more leads and right. know, i need marketing automation and huh, which program should i get and it's almost like there's there's more sense to it when you have uh organization buying but maybe that's even a myth maybe you know it's more b2c than we think um I think it's a mix of both because you're marketing to people and trying to help, you know, solve their problems and, um, and just, I guess, make them better professionals. And then, um, I don't know, but I think that like the B2C world has that really interesting, maybe demographic overlay. That's a little bit more direct. Um, maybe, but, but it's all needs based in the end. It's all about understanding what, what someone's needs are and how you might be able to help them, uh, you know, fulfill those needs. Yeah, but it's more of that like physical or emotional needs as opposed to, I really need to, a list of restaurants that I can go market to. Right, right. Go find this thing. So yeah, what about ABM? You know, do you do you have that approach, or, or have you learned anything from that? What's your take on it? Because it gets a lot of buzzword play. You know, is it is it truth? Is it hype? What's the deal? I find a lot of value in the idea of you know doing some kind of like laser guided pinpoint marketing um you know and and abm like i guess anything else in the world like it it ranges from like doing little let's say like gifting programs to these like huge integrated campaigns and it can get infinitely complex a lot of people are trying to solve like for that complexity right now i think a lot of marketing software and stuff like that are solving for that um but i have experienced um uh, in my current role, some direct success with, you know, getting, um, a VP of sales to identify a small number of target accounts and then creating an experience for them that is, um, uh, you know, tailored in a meaningful way. Right. And it doesn't have to be complex, but it's just about, um, you know, changing the, 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 the tools that you're going to use to kind of get this person on board. And, And I like that idea of, um, uh, you know, investing in quality a little bit and investing yeah. in personalization. Um, I was actually on the receiving end of a pretty interesting, I guess you would call it ABM uh, okay. campaign recently. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I am uh, in the process of selling and buying a home. So oh, cool. I was vetting a couple different mortgage brokers and, um, one of them, um, I had some conversations with, they probably weren't even my first choice to be honest. And, um, but we had had a couple conversations and then I got a envelope in the mail kind of out of nowhere. And in the envelope was a copy of, um, the Bernstein bears, uh, big move, you know, the Bernstein bears. Yeah, man. Yeah, Like a kid's book series. So yeah. I, have a, I have a three and a half year old and he actually okay. loves the Bernstein bears <laughs> and, <laughs> and I like them too because, um, they kind of help like teach lessons. hundred percent. Yeah. And so I, it, it was just, it had a, a little inscription on the inside of the book and it said, um, uh, uh, dear Andy and Cassie, that's my wife. Um, 
I, I enjoyed reading this book to my kids when, when we moved recently, and I hope yeah. your son enjoys it too, you know? Hmm. And there's no way I'm going to go shop for a mortgage without calling this guy right now. Right. You know? It was so... How do you not? Yeah. Yeah. It was that, that gesture was so meaningful. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it touched on so many different um, uh, like aspects of marketing and sales relationships that I respect, like to the point where I don't even necessarily know if he knew that that was ABM or if it was just him just being a really genuine, caring, yeah. and concerning person. And it wasn't like uh, this great gift, like we're going to do a custom cigar set. It's going to be inscribed <laughs> with mahogany, you know, this right. was like a book that he may have grabbed when he was at Target. Yeah. Or maybe he has a case of them. I don't know right. what it is, but they right. probably, it probably cost him a few bucks. And then he just took a minute. And, and what's so awesome about that is that it was meaningful. It's yeah. a gift that I'm going to hold on to. And it, it indicated that he, his role in this process is going to be to help me solve for my needs, to solve my problems. And not only just the ones that he can help me with, obviously he's going to help me secure financing and, you know, right. find the best loan, maybe help me uh, secure legal counsel. But he's saying like, look, I know the challenges that you're about to face. There, there's a multitude of them, you know, packing up your whole life and all this stuff. One of those challenges is going to be handling the disruption in your three-year-old's life. Right. And here's a, a little something that can even help with that. And man, that was, that was so smart. And, um, and yeah, he, he, he came back into my, um, uh, you know, uh, solution set where he had probably not been in it. So interesting that even he was sort of eliminated in that solution set and you're right, whether that was, whether he has a box of them or not, it, it's almost like the result is the same that like someone, whether they took half an hour to go buy just one book or whether they took, you know, five minutes to write this, you know, knew the name of your wife, um, knew that you had a kid. Yeah. So it was more than that surface level form of like, so-and-so wants a mortgage broker and it's right, like, right, right. nothing about them. It's like, right. no, actually, I know, you know, who's important to you. I know that you have a kid yes. and then here's this, and that doesn't work with that. To your point about it, it doesn't work with everybody. Not everybody has a kid at that age that that book would fit. So even if you had a box of books, you can't use it on everybody, you know? Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, I like appreciate it on like a meta level too. Like on the like, oh, that was a smart marketing move. Totally. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I do a weekly um, little video vlog, if you want to call it. Oh, a little like video a vlog? Yeah. Well, it's internal. So I call it news on marketing. Nom, nom, nom. And I, <laughs> I shoot them right here. This is your uh, kind of in my set here. And I shoot them right here in my office. And I, I, just, I distribute it via our, um, our, our intranet. And so I just send messages out to the company about uh, what's going on in the marketing world, what's coming up, you know. Oh, updating. Even, you to your customers? It's just to the internal? It's team? internal. Internal, yeah. Um, that idea, so one thing I try to do whenever I go to a conference or something, I try to leave with, I always leave with this notebook of ideas and then like, you'd be like, oh, I'll get to them another time. But I, always, I try to go to a conference and say, I'm going to pick one idea that I'm going to implement. And right. so I went to a conference from the Argyle group. I don't know if you've ever been to their events. but I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, they're cool events. I went to a, an event down in Boston. And um, yeah, so I said like, I'm going to implement this. They said like, it was talking about like getting buy-in from other teams, sales and marketing alignment, that kind of stuff. And it was like, 
do we do a weekly like two minute marketing update i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna do that i'm gonna use it anyway um and so on the uh spoiler alert next week's yes. episode which uh, i shot already is about that story oh, and cool. i'm putting the challenge to our salespeople to say hey find out these meaningful touch points for your customers and bring them to us via the CRM, by the way, yes. log the information the way yes. you're supposed to, um, and, and, and let us activate against that for you to help create a meaningful experience for your leads or your clients to either, you know, increase account penetration or bring a new lead on that you've really been looking to capture. You know, it's really cool. And, you know, and the CRM helps make it um, trackable and, but you know, some of these things just aren't say scalable. It's just that individual tension and you just, you know, you can't send a thousand emails out at the same time. It's, it's an individual tension, but it could be so worth it. You're, you're going to always remember that book. You're, you're probably going to keep that book. Cause not only is it, it's a great book, but it's good marketing. And you know, even if once your kid's like 30, you're probably still have that book and be like, I got this campaign, you know, a million years ago. Um, yeah. And now it's permanently logged in the files of hardcore marketing. It is for, for all time. Being so shout, I'll give a shout out to Bob Malone. He Bob set it up. Malone. Shout out, Bob. <laughs> Great job. Great job. Wonder how many books you have, Bob. Do you have a couple? You have a couple back there? <laughs> you can't peek behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Is is there one for putting your parents in a home and another one for <laughs> But though that's that's really cool. Really cool that he did that and and um and for the nom though just putting the shout out and saying like hey here, here's what we want and and be on the lookout for these things and i i had heard from a training uh, that the ritz does they actually look for these i think actually call it magic internally they look for these magic moments and you know whether it's anniversary or um you like the bruins or you know just some any random tidbit yeah the, to be on the lookout for it and then they log it and then for all time it's in there but then then they're able to then have magical things happen to people um based on that you know oh happy anniversary well i i didn't tell anyone that we a little bit goes a long way a little bit goes yeah. a long way i think um hubspot i think it's hubspot calls that the delight step you know look delight. for moments to delight right yeah i like that how about yeah. you how about your company have you had some abm success you know we're we're actually it's, it's very interesting. You know, we do a lot of work with Pardot and whatnot. I think, you know, where we're at is just really trying to hone in on the ideal customer profile because I think for, for a long time now, we've been working with, you know, it's similar to your situation where you work with a little bit of everyone. We've been working with a little bit of everyone. So it's trying to figure out who do we, who do we single out with those moments? I mean, I, we want to, you know, at least magic, you can do that to everybody. But like, if you're going to do a targeted you know, ABM campaigns, maybe people that don't know about you yet, which group of businesses is that? So that's kind of where I'm at right now is like, who do we want to target this cool focused laser beam at? Yeah. Well, that is the uh, all important first step, I think, yeah, is, is determining that audience. And I think people probably overlook that. Right. Um, yeah, or guess know, like, at it, right? Like, I think it's yeah. this, um, or the existing data shows it's this, but it's like, but maybe that's not who, who the ideal is, or maybe you want to either shoot up market or down market or, or whatever. You know what you need to solve for that, Casey? What? AI plus marketing. That's exactly what I need. <laughs> I need to go find that PDF and just download and buy anything that they're selling at that company for sure. No, it's actually interesting. I've been able to interview some people and, and I tend to ask them like, how, 
how do you, and I didn't ask you the question, you know, do you have any thoughts for how you try to like zero in on ideal customers? Do you have those or, or is it still just any restaurants or is it, is it preferably if they have more than one unit or is it kind of like more the merrier? Well, that's a good question. So the, that, the campaigns that we've mostly done have been on our more uh, consultative brands that work with larger restaurants. Right. Okay. We have done some of it for the smaller ones. So we do really, like our ideal customer is like um, a, a f- on, the, on the independent side is really like a four unit restaurant that Got maybe has, has like some growth potential. And then um, we do very well with... Um, um, what we call like emerging chains or emerging multi-unit restaurants. Maybe they have eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, up to 20. Wow. And maybe they're at, they're at a period where they're um, facing some new challenges, like expanding into a new region that they haven't been in before. So they're going to have to secure new contracts and new distribution. Right. Maybe they're getting some private equity funding. And so people are like, you know, looking at how they're, uh, how efficiently they're doing their purchasing and their hiring and stuff like that. Um, if they're, you know, negotiating new contracts, if they're opening a new concept, maybe they have um, 12 like seafood restaurants, but now they want right. to open this Italian restaurant. You know, they're op- thinking about opening four barbecue units or whatever it is. Right. So those emerging groups is where we've mostly focused the, um, the account-based marketing. Right. And then also a couple kind of whales that were yeah, like- yeah, yeah. Go, re- Shoot a couple of whales. But what made you focus on those other ones in the emerging space? Was probably, it data or conversations or like? Um, it's probably, uh, you know, um, estimated lifetime value. I'm, you know, okay. um, just the, just the R, the, the, the R would be higher on the I um, for those <laughs> restaurants. They're just bigger accounts. They take a little bit more to close. Right. Um, they, um, you know, part of the goal there was to shorten the cycle even. Sure. Uh, besides just, you know, w- like getting to closed one, but let's see if we can shorten the cycle on this. Right. If you stick to just whales, you're going to have these long sales cycles. So maybe yeah. there's a happy middle. Yeah. And um, also because um, those people are a little bit more um, following the rules of like traditional business. And frankly, because um, I put some of the feelers out and it was the, the uh, SVP of sales who manages that kind of division that sort of took to the idea. You know, I sent an email out to some of the, I work with different presidents of these different companies because some cool. of them, they have different presidents. So I sent an email out. I want to say it was maybe like 2016 and I had been reading a lot about ABM and downloading some white papers and eBooks and comp- went to, you know, the uh, inbound and learned about yeah. it and stuff like that. And I came back and I wrote like, a, it was probably too long, but I wrote like an email that kind of like synthesized what ABM was yeah. and how I thought we could use it for, for our brands. And like one or two of the presidents wrote back like this is really interesting i never heard of this before i love these theories i'd love to talk to you about it and um another president wrote back and he said uh you know this futuristic stuff (laughs) is the kind of thing that we can get to once we finish our you know dot our i's and cross our t's yeah exactly i think he said blocking and tackling or something like that oh Um, yeah that's another one right but uh but i said hey you know what he he has snossed and lost, right? Uh, so like if you, if, you, if, if you float the idea out there and you want to pick it up and run with it, great, let's, let's, let's play. And so that's kind of also, I think, a little bit of how we wound up in that, in that zone. But I think also it was because um, the smart SVP of sales there recognized that, yeah, this makes sense for us and our brand and our clients. Sales definitely has a lot of intel that we can gain from them. Um, so 
my question really at this point though is like who are you how did you uh, you know restaurant experience marketing experience you know you're the vp you're running the show multiple customer groups and personas like take us back little andy like did, uh, were you always gonna be a marketer like who who are you you know it may, i may have always was going to be a marketer i i got interested in business at a young age I think a lot of the credit probably goes to my aunt and uncle, uh, 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 Jordan Kimmel and Barbara Kimmel, um, both, both entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, and my, and, um, my aunt probably, I mean, I don't know how much of it was, uh, nature, nurture, whatever it was, but she definitely saw that I was interested in business and she loved entrepreneurship and, um, kind of taught me a lot about like how business kind of worked. And, and that was at a young age. And how, so, how young were you? Like, did, did you start selling stuff around the neighborhood or like, what was the, um, I don't know about selling stuff around the neighborhood, but we used to like come up with, I like maybe come up with an idea. Yeah. And then instead of just being like, that's a goofy idea. She'd be like, let's write a business plan about that. Wow. You know, like something like that. Or yeah, like, she, that's cool. you know, um, I don't exactly remember, but, um, and I was, I was interested in marketing, I think because, um, I really like things that are kind of clever and entertaining. I like to be creative and I, I think I probably liked commercials. And so I thought like marketing was cool. And then I took a, in, in high school, like when I had the chance to choose an elective, I grew up in New Jersey on the Jersey shore, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Jersey shore. I mean, we should have told people Jersey shore at the beginning. So they were, yeah, you know, so they knew what to expect. Lucky, you know, everyone else, you know. Yeah, I've never worn a Red Sox hat in my life, and I never will. Yankee <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, fan. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, respect, well, see, respect. You have told me that at the beginning. Otherwise, this would have been much shorter. Yeah. Respect for baseball, you know, across <laughs> the league. Right? But anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, in, in high school, when I could choose an elective, I chose marketing. And it was taught by this pretty cool teacher. Uh, his name was Mr. Lambusta. Ah. And um, he was the marketing class, and it was like, you know, I don't know if you ever took like, it was like the four P's of marketing, right? Sure. And, you know, like what's an advertiser, reach and frequency, how it's a budget, all this stuff like that. And there was this, um, and I really, I found him really engaging and I really liked the topic and I liked being able to like make up slogans and draw yeah. logos and make little radio ads. I mean, radio yeah, ads. be creative, right? Yeah. Use the creative. And, um, and there was this program that they, uh, it was like an extracurricular program called DECA. Have you ever heard of that? Hmm. It's like a marketing competition for kids in school so um you know maybe you have like the math club math team or um singing competitions or poetry writing it was like a marketing competition it was pretty wow. popular uh, it was pretty popular in my school mostly because like you got to get out of school for a day mostly because people took mr lambusta's class because he was cool he was like the football coach and he was funny oh the football coaches are like the best they break <laughs> yeah. all the rules yeah. and then don't care yeah 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 but are really good teachers in the same time right and then also, if you like did well at DECA, you got to get out of school a little bit and like go on some trips and stuff. Oh, wow. So when I, so I entered the DECA competition and um, it was like you had to take a test, a written test, and then do a role play uh, where you were given like a business scenario, like maybe it would, and, and there's different categories, travel and leisure or finance or um you know, retail, apparel, whatever it was. And you were like given a scenario and then you had like 10 minutes to prepare and then go in and pitch to, let's say the scenario was you are a marketing firm and you're going to pitch and I, you have to come up with ideas for a sneaker retailer who's having trouble reaching the youth market. And, oh, it gives, wow. and then you have to do a role play where you play, you know, 
um, act out what that meeting would go like. And so um, I was- Do you have time to prepare or is it just like- Yeah, like I don't remember exactly. Maybe you get like 15 minutes to prepare and then 10 minutes to present. Wow. Something like that. You got to like make some notes and then- so it was a written test and then a, and then a, I don't remember what they called that part. It was like a role play or an yeah, oral sure. part. And I was kind of good at it. And I started sort of winning at it. Um, and I got to go to like States the first year. And the next year I like, I, I came in first place in the state Wow! and I got to go to like nationals. Jeez. And so, so twice I got like a school funded trip. Once I went down to Louisville during Derby week. And then one time we got to go to, Anaheim and go to Disneyland and it was like with you know the guys and girls from my high school it was really fun I got to go out of school and like get a free trip and um and there was other stuff that we did to like raise money I worked at the school store and stuff like that sure anyway I say all this because I hadn't thought about it in a long time and then um like last year my parents asked me to clean out the basement in New Jersey for around Thanksgiving and I was cleaning out and I found like a box of my old trophies and I had this pretty big trophy and it was, um, I had gotten first place in food marketing category. <laughs> no way. And I was like, little did I know when I was like 16 that I would be a professional food marketer later on in life. Right? <laughs> Did you keep it? It's like in your office right now. It should be right. I have a lot of, I have a lot of tchotchkes and stuff in the office. I should get the trophy. You'll hear about it from sales, but you know, <laughs> right, yeah. but, um, so yeah, then I went to school, uh, and studied marketing, you know, right. like marketing major. And I moved to New York city where I worked for a, a small marketing firm. Oh, cool. Uh, we're actually doing a lot of interesting work, employer branding and, um, internal messaging. And, and so we were this little marketing firm in Soho and we were working with huge companies like Deloitte and Johnson and Johnson yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, yeah, so I lived in New York and then, um, it was actually my, the, one of the graphic designers who I worked with kind of tipped me off. Hey, one of my other clients is hiring. Um, and that was in kitchen and bath. Uh, so it was for this company. Um, this is where we did a lot of the print advertising. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And so I kind of moved over there to that role and that was an interesting job too. talk about dichotomy because um, we were both a high end um, uh, like kitchen and bath showroom kind of company. Sure. But also we just sold like parts to plumbers who were working on like installing radiators and stuff like that. Right. So there was these two faces to our marketing. There was just like super high end giving out leather bound journals and making everything seem like really sophisticated and cutting edge. Yep to do that marketing while not alienating the plumbers who didn't want us to seem like we were like the expensive option. So right. An interesting challenge there. And in, in like not crossing those two paths. I could see that being, that's interesting. You've had experience throughout your career with the like totally different personas on either end, but you still yeah. need to be able to help them both with their problems. For sure. And, and I, my career has really been in small business, uh, B2B marketing. Right. Um, and I don't know, I guess either I gravitated toward that or my experience naturally lent itself to continuing in that path. And then, um, yeah, so then I lived in New York about 10 years and that's where I met my wife. We met traveling actually, which is really fun. Where are we at? We were on a trip to Israel. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, I haven't been. Oh, it, I think you would like it. It's a really beautiful place. I think you're in a, uh, uh, I think we have some uh, similar hobbies because I'm, I love hiking. It's one of my most yep. favorite things to do. And I know that you're like mountaineering and yeah. there's some um, really good terrain out in Israel. Um, and it's like just 
beautiful landscapes with this overlay of history and right. religion and um, uh, you know present day like political um, uh, uh, yeah it's like a hotbed for all those things it's, yeah I could see that you'd be, you'd be hiking around and you kind of come around to the bend and now there's some like ancient temple or something you know that it's for like, sure amazing for sure I mean thousands of years old these structures are still standing in Israel so yeah we met there and um and she was living in Brooklyn at the time and she's from up here in Massachusetts that's how I wound up here was it like a how you doing was it was that how you said hi at the beginning or um I was uh <laughs> I was very excited to meet her the moment I saw her and she really? was kind of sitting with her sister at the coffee shop and I sort of took the table next to them and started chatting them up and then uh you know um and that was it was it like intentional like I need to go sit at this table and just start a little marketing or did it kind of I uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't call marketing but I knew I liked her <laughs> I knew I liked her from afar um, and then I, I knew I liked her up close. And then when we started talking to her, I realized that she was very, really kind and sweet right. and funny. Cool, man. And it's yeah. funny. I did like something kind of weird where I asked her in that, like shortly thereafter, I said to her, like, maybe we could, um, try to, we could, if you wanted, I said, we could skip all the BS and we could just, you could just be my girlfriend right now. And we could just start that. And she was like, no. <laughs> but you know whatever for the b2c sale and she's like no i prefer b2b hey always be closing right always be closing abc but uh but but yeah so she's from up here and i guess the last part of the marketing story is that when we moved up here i knew that i really wanted to work in something that i was passionate about right. I, I still want to say in marketing and and no matter what kind of marketing job i may have landed in i'm sure i would have uh embraced it but I just had this passion for the restaurant industry and food and I, I really wanted to be in that space and I held out for a long time unemployed waiting to find an opportunity that would put me into that world. And so um, I got great advice from my man, Jim Wexler, who was one of my mentors and early bosses at that marketing firm in New York yeah. where he said, and this is advice I give to people all the time now. He said, go on my LinkedIn profile and tell me who you want to meet. If you tell me five people you want to meet, I'll send you five introductions. But he put it on me to do the work to go into his profile. He didn't just say like, oh, I'll send you this or that. Um, and I've given that advice to people and most people don't take me up on it. They'll come to me and they'll say, hey, my brother's looking for a marketing job. And I say, great, I'd love to help him. Tell him to go on my LinkedIn and find five people that they want to meet, that he wants to meet. And then I never hear from them, you know. <laughs> but that, that's kind of how I got a foot in the door here. That's a cool opportunity. It's a kind of similar on that note if you were to advise yourself you know when you just got when you just got into your marketing career back in the day what what would you tell yourself what would you advise yourself i would tell myself to be humble hmm. listen and learn and um i i think that you know like humility is something frankly doesn't come naturally to me it's something that i've had to work on for myself and learn sure. this i don't know if you ever read the Tao but this is one of my most favorite texts mm. as far as philosophy and religion goes. And it teaches a lot about humility um, as well as, you know, just being fair and being, um, uh, you know, not uh, being aggressive and how to be a good leader and stuff like that. But um, I think back then I, I kind of came in, I was fresh out of school and, and I did a good job, but I was like, what are you guys doing? Like they had these like disorganized spreadsheets and, stacks of business cards in their desk and they're trying to work these leads and I built them an access database. I signed up for an email marketing program 
and uh, you know built a pretty successful sales funnel um, with 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 Jim, with my man uh, who was the VP of sales there. Whereas they had they had nothing before. But right. I think that I was um, I don't know I was I was 21, 22 years old, excited to be living in New York City. Yeah. I, I'm not shy. Um, I probably should have done a little more listening and um, you know stayed a little bit humble, but. Um, well, at the same time that worked for you, right? I mean, you, you kind of stepped up to the plate and you made stuff happen. I suppose. The other thing that I probably would have given myself the advice of is to take more initiative okay. and to, and to, to, you know, I think I maybe spent too much time being idle in some of my early jobs, whereas I could have been anticipating problems, um, finding, you know, finding new ways to streamline and find more solutions and stuff like that. Uh, put all that that energy to good use, and instead of saying like, "Oh, I have nothing to do," great, I'm gonna slack off on company right. time. Yeah. I uh, might have spent that time, um, uh, I don't know, you know, like trying to solve the next problem or yeah. build build something. Uh, you know, maybe maybe start. I knew I knew about content marketing then, but I was too lazy to write the blogs. Right, right, yeah, just like just push more and. Get out there. Makes sense. No regrets, though. No, yeah, no regrets. Speaking of which, have you seen that tattoo of someone? It's it's no regrets. They spelled regrets wrong, and it's oh. a tattoo that says no regrets. Oh, that's a bummer. Because yeah. I was saying, like, first of all, you should watch Rugrats. That's a good show. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. No regrets, guys. <laughs> well, this is cool, man. Where can people find you? Any events coming up that you're excited about going to or speaking at? And then, oh. you know, where can people connect with you as well? Um, we, we just kind of shut down a little event season that I had kind of been running around, oh, cool. but, um, but I'm trying to think if there's anything particularly cool coming up. Um, you know, you can learn about, um, some of our brands. I'm about to launch a brand new website. You guys might want to check out that out at foodbam.com. Food that's going to be like, bam, food, bam. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so that that's something patch? I'm proud of. Like this. a patch or a sticker? Yeah. It's, it's a little iron on. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we got a lot of websites, diningalliance.com, buyersedgeplatform.com. Um, let's see. Uh, there is, oh, I have a rock and roll band. Yeah. That you might want to check out. We're called okay. Fifth Business. And so you can so look What's it called? Fifth Business. Fifth Business. Cool. Yeah. Fifth Business. It's, uh, it's kind of a, uh, an interesting term. Like, if you think about the opera, there's kind of these, there's some main characters like the, the the hero or the protagonist and yeah. there's like maybe the heroine or the love interest the villain the sidekick and then there's one other character who is is like a, 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 a you know advances the plot line but they're not one of these big four characters and that's the fifth business wow yeah so we actually have a website fifth dot business yeah and oh you, you own it on, now and it's on spotify yeah and so that's pretty cool to check out and um it's cool you're on spotify because that's easy I and mean, i got spotify so yeah if it's some it's some rock and roll man a little bit of punk in there if you want to check you're it out drummer right is that i play the drums that's right yeah. yeah yeah and uh actually we just did a little recording session last night we got a couple more songs coming out soon on there there's only two two tracks on there now but it's just fun um it's with um uh you know good buddies of mine who work in all different industries but we all uh you know share a love of music and yeah. just get together and rock and roll you know and um let's see uh yeah those would be cool things to check out you can okay if you want to talk you can find me on linkedin yep it's andy rosenblum boom and then twitter you're on there as well i think the same yeah i don't frankly use it all that much no I should. Yeah. I should more of the linkedin is more of the yeah probably 
Yeah, when people connect, don't be don't be a weirdo and just rando connect. You got to say like, "Hey, I heard you on the podcast or something." I would love that. Yeah, that'd be. Cool. And I'm one of those guys too. I listen to podcasts, and then I reach out to the people that I heard from, and I say, "Hey, that story really resonated with me," or "I'd like to maybe consider working with you." And so uh, it's that would, feedback that nobody gets with radio and print ads, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's what. Yeah, even when you're hosting, when I was when we talk about radio, when you're hosting radio, you don't know if you're talking. I always knew my dad was listening. Yeah, but I didn't know if anybody else was listening, but uh, you never know. But that's the thing. If you're if you're sitting in that radio booth being authentic, playing the music you want to hear and you think other people want to hear, not talking too much because, you know, that's like a, an, a, an ego driven thing to do or whatever. Yeah. But uh, uh, giving the, the pertinent information, helpful, teaching people about new music, then um, no matter who's listening, at least, you know, that you're having a good time. And and that, that comes through the microphone, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I've always felt about this is that I have a blast. Like I, I, I had fun, so much fun talking to you today and I've learned a bunch. We've had some fun conversations. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go check out the meat sheets, you know, I just you know, <laughs> for half an hour about their ridiculous social and it's just fun. And I think, you know, if I'm having fun, then you, you kind of hope that other people are too uh, and kind of learning from it and also just you know, enjoying it. You know, something to listen to in the car that's not, selling you something or you know fake inauthenticity we were talking about at the beginning right on man i salute you for running your program that way yeah appreciate it, man thanks for being on here dude i this has been awesome and you know and for everyone else out there listening if you learned something or just enjoyed this time um or both then share this with someone so they, they can learn from that and then check out that uh you know hit it up on uh, fifth business on spotify we gotta check that out that's right that's right awesome man. Casey, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. And for everyone out there listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. <laughs>